Hi, and welcome to the Silver Screen Queens podcast. Every week we watch a movie and sit down here to talk about it. I'm Katie. I'm Mel. And we're your hosts. This week we watched First Man, directed by Damien Chazelle and released in 2018. The plot of the movie goes something like this. It's a look at the life of the astronaut Neil Armstrong and the legendary space mission that led him to become the first man to walk on the moon on July 20th, 1969. Sorry, there's a song from a terrible TV show called Even Stevens that I don't think you ever saw, but had Shia LaBeouf in it. Mm. Um, and it's like, we went to the moon in 1969. And at every time I hear that, it just pops into my head. Well, it's, it's it, in the musical episode. It's good that you, that's a date that you know. I know. How exciting. That's when Star Wars came out and, you know, almost nothing else. 1977 and 1969, the two most important years in the history of and when Humanity. the Star Trek 2009 movie came out, because I always call it Star Three Trek 2009. important dates. Yep. Um, yeah, so we'll briefly do a spoiler-free bit of First Man, which is obviously a historical film, so um, it covers real events. And so depending on how well you know the space program, um, it'll either be the whole thing, there'll be no spoilers for you, or, um, you know, there'll be spoilers. So we'll do spoiler-free to the movie, and then we'll go into spoilers later on. Yeah, um, so this was not my favourite. Um, I didn't hate it, but I definitely didn't enjoy it. And I think a lot of that for me is because I found Ryan Gosling very hard to access. And he is, it is a biopic that he is the star of about a person and it's trying to give us insight into his life. And I felt nothing, like nothing the whole time. So there's some stuff that I thought was really good. I thought anytime that they were in space, it was much more enjoyable all of a sudden. And anytime they were in a, on Earth, I was eh. Um, I thought, um, what's her name? Claire Foy was really great and just giving so much. And Ryan Gosling was just not giving her anything back. And, you know, a lot of teal and orange. I had a completely the opposite experience. I thought this was fantastic. I thought Ryan Gosling was really good. I thought I got a really clear idea of who Neil Armstrong was. And I thought, like, I've not enjoyed Ryan Gosling before. I've also as you will well know, not enjoyed Jason Clarke before. And I did not mind Jason Clarke in this film at all. I thought he was an interesting role that he played. Um, yeah, I thought Gosling was excellent. I thought um, – I didn't know much about Neil Armstrong. I read some articles around the time this was released. and But I, I just felt like I knew that person. Uh, he reminded me of – yeah, engineers I have known in my time. I did also think the space stuff was really good. You had warned me off this film. And so now this is why we're kind of seeing it a bit later than when it came out because Katie said, don't see it. The shaky cam is bad. And I didn't mind the shaky cam. I thought it was well used. I thought the space stuff was really good. The sense of what they were going up into space in these essentially experimental tin cans and the use of shaky cam and the use of like foley in those scenes to hear mm. the ra rocket shaking around them. I thought that was really, really well done. Yeah, I liked the shaking cam in those scenes. I didn't like it on the ground in a scene where two people were talking to each other and I was like, oh my God, just hold the camera still. We'll talk about this more in the spoilers, but when they used shaky cam on the ground, for me, I thought that was when he was struggling emotionally. And that was obviously part of his character is that he was great at the science stuff and terrible at the people stuff. Mm. And so they would use the shaky cam um, when he was having difficulty with some of the people stuff. But I, I saw it, I noticed it early on, but I didn't notice it later on. Yeah. Okay. Well, we'll get into the spoiler section because there's obviously things we want to say. Yeah. Sorry. That's <laughs> spoilery. Yeah. Yeah. So the shaky cam stuff. For me, it was really frustrating. There's a there's just a scene where he and Claire Foy are sitting in a kitchen having a conversation and the camera is just moving 
constantly. And they're just, it's, it's a, I don't remember much about it. It's blue. It's very blue. Mm. Um, and they're just sitting in the kitchen having a conversation that like opposite each other at a table and mm. it's just drifting and moving. And I was like, I just want to see what's happening. Just hold the goddamn camera still. Yeah. So I mean, I know it ties into his emotional, like how he's feeling emotionally, but it's too distracting for me because it's just constantly bringing my attention to the fact that there's a camera there. Yeah. I I only found it annoying or noticeable in the early scenes where the daughter is dying. Um, and that it makes the most sense because that is the mm. most emotionally destabilizing. And I'm this, if that's the scene I'm thinking of with he and Claire Foy at the kitchen table, they are working through some stuff at that point. Mm. I can't I can't remember if it's when she's they've just moved there and she's pregnant or if it's later on uh, and they're trying to work stuff out because she like she has a tough time of it. Mm. Um, at the I mean Janet Armstrong, I'm surprised she stayed married to him for as long as she did. To be honest, same. But she she made it hard. She, same. Eventually, it divorced him. But she made it through thirty eight years before she did that. I, I didn't actually think she was. I I liked her performance a little bit, but the her accent being a little bit off through oh, yeah. me. Um, well, the see, performance I, was fine though. I didn't. I just her accent wasn't good. Jason Clark's accent wasn't good. There were a lot her of people. Wig was also a bit distracting. Yeah, the hair, oh, haircut. I don't. I don't think I noticed that. She had like a really quite a severe haircut. It was. It was quite well done in that like they'd given her some like natural looking gray hairs and things, which made her look more like she was a woman of that age in that era. But yeah. I didn't love it. I see, like Jason Clark's accent is obviously never good, mm. but I didn't like him in this. There's a bit, like, because Neil Armstrong is so freaking frustrating. There's a bit mm-hmm. where they go for a walk together at night, mm. and they're just a moment. And he Neil notices a swing, and he's like, "Oh, we used to have that one, like that Karen, the dead daughter, he used to love it." And Jason Clark tries to get him mm. to open up, and he just doesn't. Um, it was an interesting look, actually. It like really. Sort of, to- there's that toxic masculinity of of men really shutting down on their emotions. Mm. But I just find it frustrating because it doesn't go anywhere. But yeah, um- well, no, because this is the frustrating thing because he's a real person, and so he just was like that always. The thing for me is, if you're going to make a movie about a real person, you have to draw out the interesting things. I and mean- I, f- I feel like this. I just didn't have any investment in him. I didn't. I could not get invested. I. Didn't under, I just couldn't like get anything from Ryan Gosling. He just had the same expression for ninety percent of the movie for me, and I couldn't. And I know that I mean that's not a, true though. He didn't. He he <laughs> was so nothing. He doesn't. There's no kind of insight into like, and also the science thing as well. I feel like Damien Chazelle maybe wasn't great at the science thing because there's not a lot of times that we see him be great at science. Um, we see him think quickly on his feet a couple of times, which is good, but like not necessary. And there's one cool scene where he's talking about how it's neat that some sciencey thing and that clearly his wife the doesn't physics, understand. Yeah, that was um, cool. That was cute. I liked that. Well, yeah. See, that was where I it it that sort of engineer brain got to me, yeah. and that like it, he it's so long though, and there's so many scenes where nothing. I didn't nothing. find it long. I, I found it I thought so it was really good, long. and I mean. Yeah, and they do kind of resolve the daughter thing by having him take that little bracelet to the moon, which as soon as I saw yeah. it, I was like, oh, that's going to the moon. Yeah, me too. Um, I don't know if that ever really happened. But I the, the the fact that he was so, like, unable to deal with the emotional stuff, like when he – there's a bit where Claire Foy yells at him that he has to go and talk to his sons yeah. before he goes to the moon. Like, you have to tell them that you might not come back. You need to prepare them for that. And his face – like, you actually – I see it in his face. He's going, oh, shit. I really could not come back and there are people whom this might affect. 
Um, but then yeah, he goes and talks to his sons like he's at a press conference. Yeah. He's like, oh, no, we're really excited about the mission. We're planning for it to go well. But then when he goes to the actual press conference, he's also like completely unable to cope with it because Buzz Aldrin, who is, you know, kind of a dick. But, but- I loved him in this so much. <laughs> well, Buzz Aldrin has always reminded me of um, William Shatner. Yeah. Like not not Captain Kirk, William Shatner. Uh, they're about the same age and they're both kind of cranky old men on Twitter. Mm-hmm. Um and Neil Armstrong is clearly the Spock to his William Shatner. I'm, I'm deliberately using Spock, not Leonard Nimoy, because Leonard Nimoy was extremely emotionally intelligent and yeah. good at that kind of stuff. But Mr. Spock, who's like, so that the, there's a question at the press conference of like, oh, you're going to take some of your wife's jewelry with you, and and Buzz is all swagger and like, uh-huh, yeah, totally. Mm. And um, they they ask Neil, what do you want to take? And he's like, oh, I'd like to take a bit of extra fuel. Mm. Like, just that was so funny and such an engineer moment. Yeah, I kind of know people who are like that, and that to me that was just that said everything you need to know about this guy, and also yeah. why he was chosen. Like you know, humans went to the moon. We didn't choose Captain Kirk. We chose Mister Spock to be our captain. And yeah. I think that says something. Yeah, but like you said, he's not Captain Kirk. His Captain Kirk is much more emotionally intelligent and yes. um, than. Buzz Aldrin as well. Yeah, yeah. But I loved Buzz Aldrin in this not because I thought he was like a good person, but because I thought he was the most interesting character we'd seen in the whole thing yeah. because he actually had some life to him. And it was Corey Stoll. And I like Corey Stoll. He's a good actor. And there's something about him coming into this movie with all that swagger and charisma and stuff that just kind of draws your attention. And he does actually bring some stuff out of Neil, whereas the scenes with I thought Claire Foy didn't bring anything that much out of him. And all I thought the whole time was he's so selfish that he can't think about her for five seconds. He's always, always thinking about himself and doesn't think about her ever. Uh, there, there is, I think the bit you talk, there's a bit you're talking about where Buzz says something completely like dickish about recently deceased yeah. colleagues. And he goes, he's like, I'm just saying what everyone's thinking. And Neil just is like, maybe you shouldn't. And it was a great, no, that, those are two different scenes. Um, the th- thing where he says, um, where he's talking at the funeral. No, it's not. It's the, not at the funeral. It's uh, where they're, they're watching a launch or something. They're back at NASA. Right, right, And right. he's yeah, like, yeah. they're talking about who's going to go on the next mission. Oh, yeah. you'd have to be a shoe-in for this and blah, blah, blah. And he says, um, I'm just saying what everyone's thinking. Yeah. And Neil says, maybe you shouldn't. No, but you said before that that there was a recently deceased. They were talking about someone who had died. They were talking about how they died and therefore that they would have better opportunities to get on oh, the mission. I didn't, okay. So it's been a couple of weeks since you saw it. So yeah. I don't expect you to remember that level of detail. It's only no. like two days since I saw I thought you were it. talking about the funeral scene where he also does the no, same thing. No, he does thing. a similar thing at and the funeral scene. And then Neil goes, um, well, it's not what I was thinking because I don't know about the technicalities of the blah, I, blah, I, I didn't blah, blah. Do the, I didn't do the, the recreation of the flight. Yeah, yeah I, I think – See, I actually think there's a really subtle performance there, and I think this is what Ryan Gosling should have won the Oscar for. Like, I think he would deserve an Oscar for this more than La La Land. He didn't get an Oscar for La La Land. Did he not? No, Emma Stone did. He didn't. But he gave a speech. He gave an Oscar speech. Yeah, it must have been the Golden Globes. He won for the Golden Globes. Anyway, um, like, this performance to me is much more deserving of acting kudos than the one in La La Land. Yeah. I mean, partly the problem with La La Land is the the character was giant dick bag. Manchester by the Sea. And he couldn't. Casey Affleck. That's right. He managed to scrape in just before Me Too took off. Anyway, acting kudos much more deserved for this than for La La Land. Like, I just think it was a really subtle point. And that thousand it yard stare. It was definitely stare, subtle. That, there oh, was a lot of staring. Though he had a wonderful thousand yard stare that he would 
that would come out whenever, particularly when other people were being annoying to him, he would just like, oh my God. And I just thought that was, he was really, really good at it. Okay. Um, yeah. I don't get it. This is the first Damien Chazelle movie I've liked. I find myself surprised, particularly surprised that I thought Jason Clarke was fine as well. But one of, and one of the times he deploys it as well, also speaking of Jason Clarke, is when the astronauts are killed in the test on the launch pad. Mm. God, that's just horrible the way that's the whole with, thing. With Chekhov's hatch door. Yeah. <sighs> that yeah. They like put the hatch door in place and walk away from it. We're just holding on the hatch door and I'm like, well, something's going to happen. Yeah, exactly. And, and like I didn't know my history well enough to know that that exactly was going to happen. But when that happened um, and he's in Washington at the White House with other people and they're watching it on, and they go back to their hotel room and watch it on the news and the newscaster says uh, the bodies were left in place for four hours while they did a reconstruction of what went on and the thousand-yard stare comes out again. And what I believe I saw him realise in that moment was how expendable they are and that if you die on a mission – it almost certainly furthers the next mission. Like people dying on missions, people dying in flights, they die for the cause almost and it makes the astronauts themselves quite expendable. He, you know, he gets slotted in because so many of his colleagues have died ahead of him. Like he didn't wasn't necessarily the guy doing the best on all the tests or the hardest worker. He was the lucky one. And that, was, that look on his face when he realises that in that hotel room to me was a really also really good piece of acting. Yeah. I mean, I don't remember it. I definitely didn't have a moment where I was like, wow, I really understand what he's going through in this moment because I just – I think part of it also is that like the way that it was shot and the lighting meant that his eyes were hidden a lot of the time mm -hmm. and he's got little eyes that yeah, are like overshadowed over – like he's got an overhanging brow. And so I thought – I think a lot of it was that I couldn't – I wasn't getting much from him because I couldn't see his expression properly in a lot of it uh. um, and I couldn't see his eyes properly because I definitely noticed that – when he went into space and it was in his helmet and I was like, oh, I can see him. I can actually see him now. Yeah. Um, and then at the end of the movie, I think I took a note where I was like, who's a better actor, his helmet or his face? Like, because there's, I got as much from watching the blank helmet of him on the moon as I did from watching him for most of the film. I thought that, yeah, the helmet thing was really cool actually on the moon where yeah. it was all reflected. Uh, and then when something important is going to happen, they, he pulls the visor up and you can actually see his face, which is nice. Uh, I actually, I really like the landing on the moon thing. Um, firstly, yeah, like too. that little freaking tent of the thing that they land in, which I've seen in a museum. And so I, I know how tiny it is. And, and the sense of, yeah, that people just were like winging it mm. with like chewing gum and wire and God knows what. Anyway, they land in this thing with like 5% fuel. They don't ever explain how they get back up to Michael Collins. Um, who, by the way, Michael Collins, perpetual trivia question. I had I had a lot more respect for him after watching this film as well because the way he is, like, really anxious when he has to say goodbye to them. Like he, the, oh, he's so cute. Yeah, he pilots. And, and I know who Michael Collins is because he's a perpetual trivia question, right? It's one of those ones I have memorized that always comes up at trivia night. Mm. And he was so cute and he was so scared for them. And every moment they didn't know if they were going to survive. Um, but, anyway, yeah, they don't explain how they get back with only 5% fuel, but. That's right. It was Somehow. Lucas Haas. I like Lucas Haas. He's a good actor. Lots of um, yeah, '90s boys yeah. showing up um, um, with Lucas Haas and my first note, Ethan Embry. Yeah, which is literally my first note is just Ethan Embry with an exclamation mark because I was so excited to see. Mine him. is Kyle Chandler with yeah, also like with an exclamation too. mark. Although I didn't actually make notes while I was watching, I made them afterwards. 
Yeah. And Patrick Fugit as well. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, just crazy how many 90s kids are in this. Yeah, yeah. And and others like Kieran Hines. Yeah, anyway, so the the moon landing itself I think is just incredible. Like firstly they barely land and then the when they open the hatch and the rush of air the, the mm. noise of actually getting down the ladder and they, they even um, bring in a shot where they the landing module itself had a camera on it. That's how they got the TV pictures. Mm. Like somebody didn't walk on the moon, put the camera down and then, you know, walk down again and do the whole one small step for man bit. I thought that was really well done. And then I obviously like that you have to hit the 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 audio of, you know, one small step for man, one giant leap for mankind bit. Uh, but it all was very – it all felt very – even though I know where how where how it was going to happen, it all felt so like exciting, exciting, and mm. you could feel you're like, are they going to make it? Is it what's going to happen when he gets onto the onto the moon? Are they like they? Even though I know they all come back safely mm. and die in their beds as old men, actually two of them aren't even dead yet. It was really exciting, and the the um, sandy the surface of the moon. Mm. I never knew that about the surface of the moon. That was cool. Yeah, I thought um, that was those were my favorite bits. Anytime they're in space, favorite parts of the film. Um, mm-hmm. And especially the moon landing was so like, and I, I think just appreciating all the details behind it and all the effort that went into it and then, uh, then getting yeah. there and, and um, how beautiful it was. And then for me, it was kind of, I didn't enjoy the, the bracelet scene because I was like. I, I, it, it felt like it, it didn't really happen. Exactly. Like and the rest did. felt like it felt so much like it did. Yeah. That we needed to have a moment for the movie but I don't think that really happened. In no. It, just that everything we know about this character, this guy, which to be fair, all I really know about him is from this movie. He just doesn't seem like that. This is the kind of thing that he would actually do. But we needed the closure for the movie. The movie needed to have a story that ended like that. Yeah. I, yeah. But, um, yeah that, that, but it just felt a bit like sentimental and mm. cheap for that moment. Yeah. Um, which and was for that so character. exciting and real and um it I, was it was so it takes up probably the last third of the film and I think Damien Chazelle, who we've talked about before, I think is a technically a very excellent director, but sometimes, particularly on the sound end, he can overdo it. Mm-hmm. But he doesn't, I don't think, in this. I think the sound is amazing. And I the, think pulling some- the score in and out um, and making, you know, using just the diegetic sound was just super well done. Yeah. I think some moments he does and some moments he doesn't. I did note at one point that it's very hard to hear dialogue because they kept fading in and out of things and that frustrated me. Mm. Um, also, um, um, the score for this has a, like a five-note sting that is the main score for this that sounds just like La La Land. Yeah. <laughs> It's like, it, and I can't remember. I was going to listen to it again before I came here so that I could remember which bit of it it was. But I mean, like, it's the same composer. So. Um, yeah, it's Justin Hurwitz as well. I'm not sure if it's City of Stars or something, but there's like a sting that mm. is exactly the same. And I'm like, why? That's so lazy. That frustrated me. Um, I thought it was actually quite a good score. I didn't, yeah, I didn't have any issues with it. I didn't. Like the rest of it was fine, but the fact that it sounded so much like La La Land was annoying. Like it's got the same director, same star, and – like a same the same sting is mm. and it's totally unrelated um i felt like it shouldn't be reminding me of that much of la la land because every time it came up i would continue that song in my head and the score would go off in a different direction and then i, I, would I, be, I didn't have that problem yeah um i listen to the la la land score quite often because it's one of the ones i listen to when i'm writing because yeah, i yeah. like the score and the songs as i've mentioned before i have very few notes for this movie and legitimately three of them are just teal and orange all right the amount of teal and orange in this was intense 
man. Like the when they're going out to the rocket, like when they're about to launch to yeah, the moon, yeah. it is so teal and orange. It is so blue and orange, like so much of it. Mm. You know, all the lights are orange and all that sort of stuff. And I was just like, oh, boy. I just thought that was such a good shot, though. It was so beautiful. And the use of the horizon and the blue of the horizon, oh, the orange they of the got horizon. On. Yeah. Like I love that. And when they took off for the moon, I think, and then they did this big overhead shot of like the – earth underneath them i just thought that was so well done i I don't care that it was teal and orange it looked so good yeah it did look good i just if you know the best use of teal and orange in movies has already been done so move on um which was mad max fury road obviously yeah um you were gonna say that well because it is um the colors in that are amazing and this one Mm. i i wasn't a huge fan of the heavy contrast way it was shot on earth because I think, again, it robbed me of a lot of emotion from Ryan Gosling. I I, I, yeah. I just – I did – like 90% of the mov- problems I have with this movie is that I couldn't get emotionally engaged with it because I didn't care about anybody. I kind of enjoyed the bits on Earth were kind of sepia toned. Like mm. they live in, you know, 1960s suburbia, but their lives are anything but. Um, mm. Like the street is full of widows and kids without dads. Yeah. Um, and – you know, they, they uh, I believe, recreated the Armstrong house as well. Like, so that full-on 19th mid-century um, wooden wood panelling everywhere and all that sort of thing. One of my favourite parts of the movie was her just being at the radio listening to find out what was going on when oh, they went God. on that first launch, which was, again, like, whenever they're in space, the movie just picked up 100% for me. Yeah, and, and, yeah. and he's – like, I enjoyed him more. I enjoyed that scene and them trying to figure out everything that was going on, but also her on the ground just, like, with the kids driving her crazy and listening to that radio and, mm. and being scared and then walking yeah. in and, and clearly dressing everybody down. I, I think, really liked yeah. that. And, like, her parents or his parents are there as well. And and Kyle Chandler, when things start to go bad, Kyle Chandler makes them cut off the radio mm-hmm. broadcast and she just gets in the car and marches up to Kyle Chandler. <laughs> Yeah, I'm not leaving until you turn the turn the box back on. No, that was really great. It was an interesting one as well because, like, we did this amazing technological thing in the 1960s, but people were still hampered by 1960s t- communication technology. Yeah. There was no texting. There was no, you know, GPS. There was none of that stuff that we would rely on now to kind of know what was going on that she could – like, I, if, you know, my husband gets on a flight – I can watch from my phone on the radar where the flight is. Hmm. And that's just, you know, a boring, ordinary, everyday flight. But she didn't have any of that. And she was relying on landlines and radio broadcasts and these guys at Mission Control and that kind of stuff. It's, it's, always, it's always crazy. Like when they talk about like how much computing power the ship, the rocket that went to the moon had. But yeah. watching this, like you don't, you, the computer power is almost no, no part of it because it's all like um, a sound designer's best friend, like flicky switches and, um, <laughs> And and rattling tin can um, rockets and things like that, which is yeah. really cool. Um, yeah, there's something in here. Chekhov's hatch door was one of my notes. There yeah, you go. Of course it was. Oh oh oh, that's right. So there's this one section of the movie where I thought it was going to go into like social commentary on what was happening when they had that whitey on the moon. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And I was like, oh, social commentary. The movie's going to get interesting. It didn't, but I really enjoyed that section. And I was like, oh, maybe they'll talk about the black women doing the maths and all this. No. Oh, yeah. It's really, I'm really mad that there was no Katherine Johnson in there because yeah. she was involved in that. Yeah. And also, I'm just mad that, like, it didn't even go into the social 
context of this thing at all, except for Cold War, let's beat Russia, which we've all seen a million times before. Yeah. That's not interesting or new. Yeah, because that um, – because everybody else that they interviewed, like they did a little – they showed some Vox Pops, which were presumably from the time where people were like, well, there's other things that money could be spent on. Mm. And like that's the thing that people still talk about today, like a moonshot. Uh, when sometimes it's worthwhile to spend public money on something that might seem frivolous because it, it serves a greater purpose. And, you know, you talk about when you fund the arts or, or sport or other things. There's a lot – There's it's an ongoing argument yeah. that isn't going to be resolved and – they put that poem in there, and yeah, and and I thought, oh wow, this is this is good. And then it's never referenced again. And also, they deliberately cut Catherine Johnson out of it, even though she was there. And also, like he doesn't really respond in it. Well, again, he doesn't not- respond to anything. So there's, you know, we don't get a perspective from him on anything on that of that nature. No, I don't think he even thinks about it. Then we could is, know about him not thinking, which about is it. crazy because, like, essentially, these guys are they're public servants they're like a defense program or or something like that their their livelihood is dependent on government continuing to fund them and like the funding is dependent on a whole lot of of things like sure kennedy said we should go to the moon but now like eight men have died trying Mm. to get to the moon so i can't imagine that wasn't a topic of conversation at work Right, mm. like that would have been oh, if the program gets cut, or how mm. can we cut corners on this? Or they do talk about it for a half a second at that Ka- party. Yeah, Carl Chandler seems to be thinking about it. Yeah, and the other boss, Kieran stuff. Hines. Yeah, but yeah. then, but then when it almost comes up, they bring him into the office and they're like, "You did a good job, bye. Mm. We want you for the moon." Like that's it. Yeah, you and know, then, oh, he even to tell him he's going to be captain on the of the moon uh, mission. He corners him in the bathroom. Yeah. Yeah, and I would have I would have been interested in all that stuff. Like as a biopic, I think this is excellent. Uh, but I think the social context stuff is interesting. Like um, Steven Spielberg was a producer on this, and he obviously very famously produced um, Apollo thirteen, mm. um, which is a fantastic space movie. It is Ron Howard, like number one director. <laughs> yeah, um, he's great. But and he's you know interested in this stuff. But Steven Spielberg's view of the you know the sixties is very much coloured by the fact that he was a young white man in the sixties. Mm. Like uh, t- to be fair, he's he's Jewish, so he would have faced other discriminations because of that. But it's all very conventional way of approaching the sixties and yeah. all that was going on. And a lot of this stuff is happening between nineteen sixty seven and nineteen sixty nine, which is a time of huge social upheaval. I wrote down that that nineteen sixty seven to nineteen sixty nine is also the um, when the original series of Star Trek aired. Mm. Um, there was so much going on in the world at that time in terms of social upheaval, particularly mm-hmm. in 1968, when Jason Clark and his friends died horribly in the uh, on the on the launch pad accident. And I, I would be interested actually in seeing some of that kind of stuff because we've seen you know a hundred moon movies, right, or and a hundred movies about that era in American history, but to see it from with a, a new perspective, like the the beat poet talking about Whitey's on the mm. moon, I think would have been would have been good. I was distracted by how they pronounced um, Gemini. Me too. Oh, Gemini. Gemini. All the Every time. time. Like, Gemini. What? Why? Who, who said it like that? And the last thing, there's a moment early in the movie where I was like, oh, maybe this movie will be good, where he's in the job interview and he gives a really interesting speech about how going to the moon will give us a new perspective on things that also doesn't come back, that like we'll find out things we should have already known and stuff like that. And then they ask him about his daughter and will that affect him and he's like i don't see why it wouldn't affect me um and i was like oh we'll get into all of that i feel like we just kind of didn't yeah um, and also how come that guy never comes back 
Which the guy who's interviewing him? No, the the guy the guy he was in that oh, interview. Right. Yeah, the guy who has these interesting thoughts about space and cares about space and and has thoughts to share with us about things. That guy never. But he did it, share them with us. He shared it with us then, and but, then we just see him do it for the rest of the time. But that's the thing: we never hear him talk about what space means to him, or going to space means to him, or anything in the rest of the film. I mean, it's just so. I didn't get much out of this. Like, I just didn't have the feelings of, you know, connection or anything. Like, I liked it when it was in space because it was finally about things that I thought were interesting and exciting. And whenever it was on Earth, I was like, I don't, I can't get into any of these characters. I've just felt so distanced from them. Yeah, I just, I like that interview because that's just, he's clearly a man who lights up with work. Mm. And Exactly. So let's see him light up with work more. Yeah, and so he's I, – I think he's excited when he gets on, on missions and things like that, and he's clearly, like, pushing is- himself. Like, there's the, the bit with the Gravitron or whatever it's called where they've got – Vomitron? Yeah, yeah, the Vomitron thing where he pushes himself to that. There's, and this the scene afterwards, which made me kind of like Jason Clark, where <laughs> Jason Clark comes in ashen-faced mm. and, like, I'm going to need to throw up. And he points him to the other toilet because he's like, I just threw up in that one. Yeah. <laughs> it was so cute. And then they go into the the classroom. And, and they've all got vomit the down yeah. their T-shirts. Oh, I loved that. I liked that a lot too. That was the stuff that I was interested in, you know. What was it mm. like to be in the space program? And the work. And if it was about somebody who I would found found interesting, I probably would have enjoyed it a lot more. And, and the work involved. I, and I would be interested in a man who is so like clinical and um, logical. Why did he become a test pilot? Like mm. what – possesses someone who is so like hardworking and logical and like he wants to he's a test pilot yeah what's like the thrill he's seeking he's, where is yeah, that in like him? that is that would be interesting to learn more about that but he's i i like that bit though because it's like they're pushing their bodies to the limit during the day and then at night time they have to push their brains to the limit because they have to learn basic rocket physics yeah yeah i i was interested in the that and you know when there were characters that I liked in it, I found it more. I just found it really hard to get into when it was just Ryan Gosling. And I think one of the reasons I found it so long is because whenever he was, whenever it was about him, I kind of would tune out. I also think that there's a real effect of the people that you see a movie with uh-huh. on you. My stepmother fell asleep twice watching this movie and my father was getting really frustrated. So, like, they didn't like it at all. He yeah. thought Ryan Gosling was terrible um, and and she just couldn't understand a lot of it and fell asleep. Yeah. And well, so uh, – Yeah. And that does have an effect, you know, if it everybody does. around oh, you is yeah. frustrated, no, it becomes frustrating. I remember watching the, the Bow movie with you after having watched it without you and then you were, like, giggling at it. And remember the, the short in front of the last Pixar movie? Oh, right, right. Yeah. Yeah, but that yeah. – And, like, the, I'd seen it the first time and had full-on cried during it. Yeah. And then I saw it with you and you were just sitting there laughing. I was like – um, like I didn't sort of, it was so weird. Yeah. There is that effect. We went to see it. My husband and I went to see it because we just kind of want to get out of the house on a Friday night. We weren't that excited about it, but we, he watches, um, Adam Savage's YouTube channel tested and they had one of the guys who made some of the suits on recently. And we really enjoyed the episode with the guy. Um, cause they actually hired this guy. He's not a costumer. He's a, like a cosplayer. Or a, a recreationist, a history buff, and he um, – so they hired him to make bits of the suits. And they were so – because this is Damien Chazelle, they were so particular about everything being perfect. So there was also a little bit of fun in us for watching, like, his his little the, – the soft hat piece that he wears under his helmet, like, 
why that's got straps on it and the others don't. And like the gloves that he wears when he climbs onto the moon, they're very particular and they had to be aged in a certain way. And like that stuff is also really cool, that sort of detail. So we watched it for those kind of reasons of like, oh, well, even if we hate, you know, the movie, at least we get to see some cool um, attention to detail. But we kind of just, yeah, rocked up. And we I think we were both surprised at how much we enjoyed it. Yeah, I think also expectations play into it. Yeah, and having come from you and telling expect- me not to tell, not to, you full on went, don't watch it. You won't, you won't like it. And well, then, I didn't think you would because of the shaky cam. Yeah, and then actually having this really great experience was quite – it's not. It's a really nice thing. I think also – Whereas my expectations were high because I'd seen so many good reviews and I went into it and I just didn't – I just don't get it. I don't – yeah. I just don't I hadn't get even the seen Ryan a lot of Gosling good, thing. Honestly, I hadn't seen a lot of good reviews either, but I, I thought it was good. Oh, um, Travis loved it. Oh, did he? Oh, yeah, when we pro- reviewed it on the – oh, know, were you not there? No, I was there, but somebody texted me to tell me that Meghan Markle oh, was right, pregnant and right. I did not hear any of that review. Yeah. Yeah, I loved it. Absolutely loved it. I'm um, glad you liked it. And what was I going to talk about? I don't know. Oh, I've Chazelle. Yeah, or I. So I hadn't really seen a lot of good reviews. So, um, yeah, I, I was. I had very low expectations. But I. Well, that's it. Um, the other thing is that in October I have to watch a lot of obligation movies. Like, because when you review movies, October is all horror, and we do a lot of horror. And I find those movies hard to now, watch. Now, all of a sudden, we haven't before. We did. We've done quite a few horrors actually. Yeah. Um, but it's nice to have a movie that was so hopeful mm. and like not um yeah it, it was nice just to, to watch something that was really hopeful and ended on that note of like you know sometimes it's worth doing extremely silly things like going to the moon um and then and then we got in the car to drive home and there was this amazing full moon in the sky like this yellow moon hanging low and it was really really sweet but yeah i mean i think the, what there about is, the very last scene where he comes in and they just stare at each other through the glass and, and they the put their hands ends. on the glass like Spock and Kirk in Wrath yeah, of Khan. Like Spock and Kirk. But they talk to each other. They, they do talk to each and other. And have yeah. meaningful di- exchange of dialogue. Yeah, well, it was an interesting place to end it, actually, with him in quarantine and her, like, he, going to see him. When he goes into quarantine, there's a guy there that he just comes into contact with. I I'm like, saw that. how does quarantine I like, work? I know. I know, right? I, I was confused about that as well, um, that there were people on Earth who were just helping them get into quarantine. I, I was very confused by that. Yeah, that was weird. But um yeah, I I was like, Oh, okay, great. Yeah, I was still It was a, I, especially after the high of the moon. Yeah. It was, was like, it's oh. a hard one to end because that moon thing lasts probably twenty minutes, that sequence. So good. It's a the really part, long sequence. But film. it is so immersive and so good and I was just like, This is so like how I do you remember- how do you come back from that? Yeah. Which is I guess the question, how do you come back from that? Yeah, it would have been interesting if it had been Explored. Um, but I can remember how I felt watching that sequence, like the way that my heart felt in my chest and I was just like glued to my seat, just yeah. like staring at how cool this moon sequence was and how effectively they did it. Like mm. it's so – it reminded me a bit of gravity actually mm. um, where it so feels like you're in space, yeah. you know, and the sound and everything just feels like you're in space and it's cool. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think like, uh, you know, and as much as I'm not – Always a big Damien Giselle fan and feel like he should cast people who can sing and dance if he's going to make a musical. Um, I think that um, he did an amazing job with that. I think that was really excellent. And I don't mean to like disparage him that much with the other, my other thoughts about the movie. I just couldn't, I just couldn't get into it. I found it so hard to access this film. Hmm. Um, and maybe I wasn't putting enough in because I was not getting the stuff out of Ryan Gosling that you were getting out of him, his realizations of things and stuff. I feel like I, as an audience member, kind of realized those things, but I didn't see it with him. I wasn't getting anything from him hmm. except that his head was big, which was something I noticed about 50 times in the movie. 
I don't have any particular feelings about his head. No, I don't expect you to. But like, <laughs> it just shows you where like my head was at. I wasn't like mm. invested in the character. I was thinking, gosh, his head looks big in that suit. You know, like yeah, I just it wasn't. It didn't grab me. I didn't feel it. Yeah, no, fair enough. Anyway, I, I just think it's interesting we had yeah, really yeah, really divergent experiences of this movie because we don't often have that, and it's nice when we finally get to have an argument. It is nice. Also, there's one thing that I do want to say because I watched some um, YouTube videos of astronauts around the time that I saw First Man. Oh, yeah, um, yeah. I think they were doing like um, that Wired and stuff, at, interviewed a bunch of astronauts and stuff. Mm. Um, and um, they were talking to that great guy with a moustache whose name I've forgotten right now. Um, and he was talking about oh, how – Oh, Chris Hadfield. Chris Hadfield. Oh, he's so lovely. Wonderful. Love to watch a movie about him. Um, and he was talking about how space has a smell. Mm. Um, and it smells a bit like burnt, like oil or something. Oh. And um, it's when they open the doors, um, like it comes in and it's some it interacts with the ship in some way. And they talk about it in the movie. They actually talk about the smell. Yeah. Um, in the movie, which I I was like, oh, they were talking to real astronauts for this, obviously, because yeah. that that they, came they, up in they, these well, interviews. Well, it's in the credits. Um, all of the and obviously, um, uh, Janet Armstrong only died, I think, earlier this year. Uh, and obviously his sons were involved because a lot of what I know about um, Neil Armstrong other than from this movie is because I read an article about the, the Armstrong sons and Ryan Gosling and what, like the, how they were involved. They were very, very heavily involved. That makes me think that maybe this movie was trying too hard to show their idea of him and it didn't give it enough flexibility to tell like an emotionally engaging story. Yeah, having the families involved. Because also Buzz Aldrin and his wife are also thanked in the credits and Michael Collins. That's funny because Buzz is portrayed terribly. Yes, um, true, but also he's, you know, (laughs) he is what he is. But, yeah, he's in the credits as well um, and their families are all mentioned in there. So they talked to the guys who were there at the time Mm -hmm. as much as they could, but I think they also talked to people who have been in space since then. I'm really looking forward to when Corey Stoll gets some real acting um, kudos for his stuff because he just brought this movie to life for me in spite of being ostensibly a villain yeah um whenever he was there i just enjoyed it yeah you he's, know. he is a really good actor he is he's great he's so and he's so underrated he's also a really good writer by the way he was in that production remember the production of julius caesar that used trump very early in the trump administration mm-hmm. that got ended up like getting shut down he was in that production and he wrote an essay about it mm. and it's really smart and really good cool um yeah, so I'll try and dig that up for the show notes. Yeah, no, he's okay. a great actor and he definitely, like, in years to come should be getting some actual awards for it. I think as he gets less good looking, people are going to be more appreciative of his acting because I think the fact that he is, like, handsome has actually hampered him quite a bit. Well, it's not like he – I mean, it's about, because I'm thinking of Ant-Man, he's not Paul Rudd. No, but, like, he's, but not, he, that, he's not super conventionally handsome. He is, like, a big um, – he does look like a big – he looks like a buffhead. Let's yeah, be but that's what I mean. Like he yeah. has a very specific look about him that sort is of like thuggish. a yeah. Well, I was going to go more with like a frat boy kind of thing or something like that, where yeah. he's like good looking but not. He doesn't look like the roles that he's good at. Right is what I was thinking. Like he doesn't look like this kind of character. Like the, he hasn't always looked like this Buzz Aldrin no character. And now as he gets older and there's more character on his face and stuff, people are going to cast him in roles that he suits well and mm. that's kind of what what, what Hope, I was getting. Yeah, at. hopefully because he is I great. think he is quite good looking, but like he does Yeah, yeah, no. There's no. something about the way that he looks that doesn't 
give get him the roles that he deserves. Yeah, yeah. No, I don't mean that he's not good looking. I think he's just not conventionally handsome. There's yeah. a lot of girls into into bald guys. I'm not not saying he's not good looking. Yeah, that's what I mean. Like he just as you know, as he gets older and and less frat boyish or yeah, whatever and, and it is. More that, rugged. Yeah, more rugged. He's going to get better roles. So yeah, no, I'm, I liked him. He was, I'd say probably my favorite performance in this was him because he just kind of li- livened up the movie a bit. Yeah, in I a thought, movie that I thought felt flat in a lot of the I time. I stuck out like a sore thumb because everyone else was being much more subtle and he yeah. was kind of being very, his was very loud. I but think I, that yeah. is who Buzz is in a room too. Uh-huh. Like, it certainly seems that way. Yeah, exactly. So he it, he matched his performance to the character well. Yeah, no, no, definitely. Should we, yes, yeah. should we give uh, marks? I'm going to give this two and a half stars in spite of the stuff that I liked. I just found it dull. I'm going to give this four stars because I really enjoyed it and had a really good time watching it. Cool. All right. Thank you very much for listening to the Silver Screen Queens podcast. If you would like show notes or old episodes, they're on our website, silverscreenqueens.com. And if you would like to find us on social media, we're at screen underscore queens on Twitter, facebook.com forward slash silverscreenqueens and tumblr.silverscreenqueens.com on Tumblr. Thank you for listening. Bye. Bye.